Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and with that your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your third Wednesday host, Ukiah Mayor Mari Roden. Supervisor Dan Jurdy hosts Citizen U on first Wednesdays. The subject of today's show is community development in the context of municipal government. Community development is a relatively new term that many municipalities are using for what were formerly called planning departments. Community development departments deal with many issues that affect our everyday lives, such as obtaining a building permit, for example, or code enforcement, which is key when your neighbor's scrap car collection becomes a public nuisance. But modern community development departments also deal with slightly more abstract issues, such as long-term planning, zoning codes, and encouraging and promoting new housing development. Each of these community development functions is comprised of many intricacies, each one of which could take a whole show to cover in depth. So I've decided to create a two or three part series about community development with today's show focusing on housing. What cities in Mendocino County and around the state are doing to create and encourage it. The availability of housing is critical for sustaining a strong economy for obvious reasons. Existing local businesses can't grow and new businesses won't choose to come to our county if there isn't an adequate supply of housing for employees. But there's also the humanitarian imperative that all people should be able to find comfortable, safe and affordable housing in the community of their choice. Why are we failing so miserably in this regard, and what is being done to address the problem? My guest to talk about housing and community development is Craig Schlatter. Craig is the Director of Community Development for the City of Ukiah. Welcome, Craig. Thank you, Mari. It's good to be here. Great. Can you give us a little summary of your background and what, brought, what led you to this place to become the Community Development Director? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I first came out to um, Ukiah and the Ukiah area in 2006. Um, at the time, I was part of a fellowship uh, for my graduate program uh, at the Stevenson Center for Community and Economic Development at Illinois State University, uh, where the, the, the final year of your master's program is to do a fellowship with a nonprofit community development organization. And so I was matched uh, with the Community Development Commission of Mendocino County. Um, and in that role, I was a specialist, a community development specialist for a year and also completed my fellowship. So they offered me a position, a full-time position halfway through my fellowship. And I said, absolutely, because I love the area already and wanted to stay. And I've been here ever since. Hmm. How long ago was that? That was about 17, 16, 17 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember um, working with you when you were at the Community Development Commission. That was a long time ago. So, Craig, as I said in the intro, today's show, we're focusing on housing this morning. But before we zero in on housing, could you please give an overview of the Community Development Department that you oversee? Sure. So, um, community development, as um, you mentioned earlier, uh, Mari, which I, I think was an excellent description of how 
um, community development departments over time have changed and evolved. Um, you know, traditionally, they did used to be fairly focused on planning or planning and building, uh, planning services, building services. And as the needs of the community have, have changed, as, as well as um, needing to address very complex issues like housing or homelessness or climate change, with these needs for increased or enhanced services has come a need to do more uh, for community development departments, which you know, generally touch every aspect of the community. And that's been certainly the case at the city of Ukiah. Um, when we started, when I started in 2017, we had a planning and building services department. And since that time, we've grown to now include services and fire prevention and code enforcement, housing and grants management. And um, really the, the focus is to provide a, a greater level of service as well as partnership to the developer and builder community and others that wanna do business here in Ukiah. Do uh, do you happen to know if uh, the other cities in Mendocino County also have community development departments versus just doing planning and building? I believe that uh, Fort Bragg does have a community development department. I, I'm not sure about Willits. I, I think that they have a variety of different services there, but they may call it something different. Mm -hmm. um, Point Arena, I believe, has a, a planning-focused department. Mm -hmm. Well, let's dive into the subject of housing. So modern, thriving cities, whether large or small or urban or rural, are characterized by vibrant, by a, a vibrant urban core and anchored by residents who live in those cities. And, and given in Mendocino County and, and Ukiah in particular is the county seat, the, there's so much intense pressure for new housing of all types and at all price points. One would expect the owners of vacant, uh, blighted, and underutilized properties to be eager to cash in those properties, uh, you know, to, to develop housing. But this isn't happening. So, my question is, why is residential development not keeping pace with the demand? Well, that's that's a really uh, challenging question for many uh, folks to answer, and you're going to get a wide variety of different opinions on that subject. You know, I think if we boil it down to, to one you know major thing, it, we do have a supply and demand issue um, in Ukiah. So, uh, and, and in many cities across the state of California, in particular in other states where there's an affordability issue. Um, so when we have a supply and demand issue, we can look to increase the supply, but oftentimes that's not enough because there's nuance in uh, how to address the affordability and the supply issue. And I, I can talk about that further if you'd like. Um, but you know, at, at a more basic since also answering answering your question more directly, um, sometimes for especially developers, there has to be some kind of an incentive for them to want to build the housing um, beyond you know potentially more of an altruistic you know kind of feel good reason like just to do the right thing, and so that's where and we'll probably get into this in this show. Um, I think local governments in particular have a really important role. Uh, I think really at the, the basis of all of this is someone has to lead. So someone has to strike out and say, 
we're going to do something about this issue, you know, whatever the complex issue is at the time. Right now it's housing. Um, and I'd be happy to talk about the city's experience in addressing housing and how we have led over the last six years to tackle this really complex issue. But I really think that that is, um, you know, get, getting away from kind of all the reasons why we can't do something. The focus should be on all the reasons why we might be able to do something and then try to implement that vision and lead uh, to produce results. So what, what can local government do to address the housing shortage? How, what sort of developer incentives are there that you've employed? Or I also want to make sure that we're inclusive of other cities we don't have in, in Mendocino County. So to the degree that you can talk about what other cities are doing or the county as well as Ukiah, that would be great. Yeah, so um, I'm going to take us back just really briefly. So um, because I, I, I feel like this is a story that we're trying to tell at the city level. And even when I talk to folks around the county, um, this isn't a story that's very well known. So I have an opportunity here to, to tell it. Um, you know, and so where we started in 2017 is the city council had said, housing is a major concern. What can we do to ad address this concern? So already we had leadership at the council level saying, this is important to the community. What can we do about it? Um, so staff uh, in, in multiple departments, and really the city's success in housing is not with one department or one individual or one division. It's really this kind of whole city approach to addressing this issue. So it started at the city council level with what can we do? Uh, we devised a strategy it really focused on two parts. One part was we need to create um, or need to facilitate the production of more affordable housing. So to do that, we're going to create a housing trust fund. We're gonna use some funding that we have from some old redevelopment agency bonds to capitalize this loan fund. And we're gonna make as many loans as we can to incentivize the production of affordable housing. Who are you making loans to? So these are to developers of affordable housing projects. So um, uh, these they can be in, in the city or outside the city. Okay, so this, so not we're talking about nonprofit housing developers are eligible to, to receive these loans. Okay, right. Can you can okay. continue with the story? <laughs> yeah, so you know, two pronged approach. One is on affordable housing um, and creation of the housing trust fund is the, the primary vehicle for moving forward affordable housing production, and it's it's really because of how affordable housing is financed and how it's built. It's a very specific model that uh, really revolves around um, acquiring as many soft financing sources, grants, you know, state grants, federal grants, et cetera, as possible, with the biggest funding source being the low-income housing tax credit. So the city said, well... what? Can you explain what the low-income housing tax credit is? That just sounds complicated jargon, and uh, most people even if they are interested in the subject, won't know what, <laughs> yeah. the, what that is. I totally understand. Uh, so low-income housing tax credit is, it, it, it's a federal appropriation. I, I think in 2021, there was $10 billion that was made available at the federal level. Um, it's it's a, a way for um, a tax credit to be exchanged on a private level. So you buy a, a tax credit uh, in an investment market 
you sell the tax credit to build equity in this low-income housing project. Hmm. Uh, so there's a whole market for how those tax credits are bought and sold, but the end result is the affordable housing developer has an increased pot of funds through an application process. They have to apply for the low-income housing tax credit. They have 9% tax credits and 4% tax credits. And you'll hear, if you're listening to developer talk about an affordable housing project, they'll talk about these different tax credit allocations. And each one is competitive in its own way. Um, where the housing trust fund comes in is there's often tiebreaker scores and a tiebreaker, if you're going to make one of these types of applications more um, likely to be funded, you'll need a source of local match. Now, it used to be when um, cities had redevelopment agencies, that was one of the primary local matches, but we don't have that. You know, with the ending of the redevelopment um, in 2012, I think it was, cities by and large don't have those access to financing sources for affordable housing that they once had. So that's what we use uh, the housing trust fund for is, is a match to, to make the scoring higher for potential developers, nonprofit I, housing developers. I think that's one major aspect why we wanted to focus on that. I think another aspect, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a second with the pro housing designation the city was just awarded, is um, we see it as a signal to uh, developers that, hey, we're, we're trying to put everything forward that we possibly can to get more housing. And so that from that standpoint, you know, it, it can just attract developers, even developers that are existing. Have we seen that happen uh, in the city of Ukiah where a, a nonprofit housing developer has, has come here because of the availability of these loan funds? They, I would say it's, um, and this, I talk about this quite a bit too. It, you know, with housing, it's pieces of a puzzle, and no one piece is more important necessarily than the other. So, with these, so this is one housing tool, and I would say it's not just this one housing tool that's led to, you know, success in developing housing in Ukiah. I think it's a wide variety of different incentives that have been deployed to attempt to make a dent in the in the housing supply issues that we have here. Mm -hmm. uh, in case uh, you've just tuned in, you're listening to Citizen U. This is a forum for exploring local government and related issues in depth to increase your civic literacy and your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your host, Mari Roden, and today we are discussing the role of local government in promoting the development of new housing with Craig Schlatter, the Director of Community Development for the City of Ukiah. So, Craig, what, what has been the result of these uh, local government incentives that the City of Ukiah has employed? Well, I think the result is really best seen in, in what you see going around uh, around town. Just driving around town, you see new housing development here, new housing development there, a new subdivision over here, new new single-family house over here. Um, in f a four-year time period, there's been 192 building permits issued for new housing units. So that's that basically means 192 housing units in a four-year period, more than any time in that same period in the city's history. 
Um, it also, it nearly, there's these kind of, in my opinion, uh, arbitrary goals set by the state for each of the different regions in California, um, Mendocino County being one of those. They've set as a goal 239 units for the city to produce. So we've already almost met that within, you know, half of kind of the housing element cycle. Um, so, and, and, and again, it, and, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, the importance of leadership and how we need to keep just doing more, doing more, doing more. Uh, you know, the, the goal should not be to, in my opinion, to um, fulfill the goals of RENA. The What's re RENA? The Regional Housing Needs Allocation. So that's, that's the what the state mandates the city produce within an eight-year time period. So doesn't those... Uh requirements for the development of new housing that come down from the state don't they give a number for the entire county that the county needs to produce and then on the local level through the mendocino council of governments yep. mcog then mcog allocates to the different areas and the, the cities and the county how many is that right yes in a nutshell that's that's correct and can those requirements for housing development be traded like let's say the county you know doesn't have infrastructure in places to be able to develop how or to to support and encourage you know new housing or it's unlikely to be developed in under unincorporated areas can they can the city take those on and develop them within the city limits or yes yeah and so d has that happened Yes, but I think we, again, uh, you know, this is maybe a common theme with me here today. I think we can do more. Um, one thing that we've been exploring with the cities and with Mendocino County is the creation of a regional housing strategy. So we could potentially um, agree on how that was going to be approached in the future. Uh, instead of being more at the whim of what the state mandates and you know kind of an antiquated process here with um, meeting with MCOG and with the cities and the county just at one point in time prior to a new housing element cycle and assignment of the allocation by the state so I, I think there's a more intentional way we can approach that a more collaborative way with um, cities and the county we've already we've we've done some uh, efforts on that. We had the first regional housing summit last year with um, all the cities and the county, and uh, that went really well. I think we need to continue that effort and try to get something that's more tangible. Mm -hmm. How are we as a region going to address this issue? Not not what does the state think we need to do, but what does Mendocino County and our residents think we need to do? Yeah, I had a question uh, about that. Um, you know, bringing in the interests of the state in, in creating more housing, you know, statewide. And I want, wanted you to talk about the tensions that arise between, you know, the state mandates um, that really usurp local control because they say, you know, you can't, you know, local zoning codes don't apply in some cases. You, uh, you know, a person's property, a person is allowed to subdivide and create you know, two, 
two housing units in an area that was just single family residential. So those are state attempts through legislation to facilitate new housing. And then there's, on the other hand, local citizens' interests in maintaining local control over how their neighborhoods grow and develop. Can you talk about that tension and what? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the best word for it. It's tension, um, and the tension continues. Um, you know, and I, I think you know, just speaking maybe in defense of the state, uh, you know, you know, I think there are um, frustrations on both sides. This is a big issue that everyone is trying to address. The state doesn't think it's being addressed quickly enough, and that you know we're you we're losing um, population to other states, and that's a concern. But the solution is not necessarily, from the city's point of view, you know, the state mandating the loss of local control to address these issues and and addressing them in what generally tends to be a standardized, you know, one size fits all that are is largely based on urban cities policies and you know what what may work in la may not work in ukiah and that's where um what you know kind of the the other side of the city's efforts here has allowed us to you know stay out of the the radar and stay off the radar and the um the list that the state keeps of all the jurisdictions that are not in compliance with their housing element. And once you are in- wait, 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 slow down. <laughs> what is a housing element? What 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 is a housing element? The the best way to say it is the housing element is the city or the local government's plan for how it's going to address housing. Mm-hmm. It's part of um, a local government's general plan, which is a constitution for you know looking twenty years ahead and what deciding what you want your community to become. I think, unfortunately, housing um, elements, just like some planning documents, have become a planning exercise. But, you know, that's really, again, it's on us to change that. So um, at the city of Ukiah, for example, given all of the input we heard, I was talking before about our housing strategy, you know, the one prong being the affordable housing side. The other side of that was focusing on how we can incentivize the production of market rate housing. And one of the best ways to do that is to remove uncertainty in the development process to um, produce incentives such as streamlining zoning code, making it easier for developers to get to an approved building permit. Uh, And we've implemented a lot of that uh, with with some success as well. Mm -hmm. And what about a potential tension between um, developers' interests in getting through the process quickly so that they don't waste a lot of time, you know, um, getting their, getting their project approved. And what, what say the general plan says about how, how they want to see development happen. I mean, so could you talk about that? Yeah, and I think the the first question you had was was related to local control and the tension between you know the state and cities, and this is another area we feel proud about because the you know some of our streamlining that we've done with our zoning code, for example, and our our keeping our retention of our local control has been involving our design review board, the planning commission, on developing policy that allows us to still keep that design aesthetic that's so important to our community when we're developing new 
housing developments. So for example, I'll just kind of lay it out how it, how it works in the city zoning code. What we did is we um, removed the discretionary process, meaning uh, discretionary means someone that, that has discretion. So a, a planning commission, a design review board is going to weigh in at the project pr prior to it prior to it being approved and say, well, we think your project should be redesigned like, like this. Mm -hmm. um, and we may have all of these additional conditions we would like you to meet um, prior to approval. So there's a degree of uncertainty that that creates for a developer. Right. So we said, okay, we're gonna remove the discretionary process. So you don't have to go to the design review board or to the planning commission. You can go straight to a b building permit, which is regulatory. There's no discretion in a building permit. Uh, ministerial is what that's called. Um, so we say, but the, the caveat here is you have to build to the city's objective design and development standards. And those standards were based on design guidelines that the city has used since 1992. And they were, um, it also had tremendous amount of input by the design review board and then the planning commission. So we said, we still want that design aesthetic in Ukiah. We still want really good looking projects that meet the needs of our community and our neighborhoods. Um, but here's a way to still build that project still get more housing but retain our local control and get a, a well-designed project mm -hmm. all right uh i want to uh, tell listeners if you've just tuned in that this is citizen you we are exploring local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy and ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities and today we're talking about housing development uh, with the City of Ukiah's Director of Community Development, Craig Schlatter. And I'm going to open up the phone lines. Uh, if you want to call in and ask a question or make a comment, the number is 707-895-2448. And I want to ask you about market rate development. You, you cited that 192 units had been developed in four years in the city of Ukiah and that that's, that's you know, a record <laughs> for for Ukiah. What about market rate development? I don't know if if market rate development, housing development, is included in that 192. And you know, it's it's also very important for, well, for, in a large part for the economy f to to have housing for employees who might be above the. Uh, um, eligibility for affordable. So how, how is the city of Ukiah and, and other cities in Mendocino County doing when it comes to market rate development? Yeah, so um, of that number, I believe it's around 40 to 50 that are new market rate. I could get you an exact number on that. One thing to remember about the market rate production is that we you know, we put in motion the housing strategy that created the housing trust fund. So we that was low hanging fruit, so to speak, because we had the funding already. We just needed to to create it, be intentional about it, create uh, notice of funding availability and guidelines, let developers know this is what we're interested in. So that was um, more like easy, I guess, so to speak. None of this is really that easy, but that was um, a tool available. Tool available, yes. So we knew though on the streamlining aspect, we'd have to wait until we rewrote the housing element 
Uh, and we ended up doing about 90% of the rewriting. We just went all the way down to, you know, a, a lot of times in different cities, you take the housing element that was prepared previously, uh, it's like a 150-page document generally, um, and you just change you just change a few things and do a few public hearings and that's it. Because we had heard this is such a, a important topic, we had a tremendous amount of community engagement and outreach. We had lots of workshops. We got all of this input, and we we realized as a staff, we said we can't just you know throw a few numbers in here and make a few changes. We needed to completely rewrite the, the city's entire approach to housing. And with that, we, when we did that rewriting, we added a bunch of new market rate uh, oriented streamlining tools that now, and the reason I'm saying all this uh, in answer to your question is because that was adopted in 2019. The um, zoning code amendments that were needed to streamline the zoning code were passed in 2020, 2021, and 2022. And so just now, uh, we're starting to see now the impact of that policy on market rate housing. Uh, I think it's interesting to note that now since we're we're doing more of this um, advertising, so to speak, you know, me talking is the advertising uh, to the community about, you know, how how open for business the city is to the, the business of housing. We are now seeing more market rate uh, proposals come across our desk. And that is, that's the design. We want to get more and more market rate as, uh, as well as affordable. What do you, what else are you doing for advertising, so to speak? You know, as a, as a the director of community development, so developing community and bringing in developers and getting the word out uh, that the city of Ukiah is trying to streamline the ability f for development. What what are you doing? Do you actually go out and seek private developers? What what are you doing? I need to do more of that. Um, it's been primarily this type of outreach talking to various community groups around the city um, we'll we'll start using social media here we d we've done some website kind of rewriting and, and reorienting to make it more accessible it's the accessibility um, and readability of some of our planning documents just trying to make that something that um, someone that has no idea what planning even is would pick it up and be able to sort of understand what the city's vision is for some of these different uh, priorities, especially housing. I've heard that one of the problems is that we just don't have enough housing developers in Mendocino County to even respond to the demand. I mean, maybe there is a property owner who would be interested in developing, but there just aren't enough developers. So I was curious if you ever seek developers from outside of the county. We haven't directly reached out to any developers that I'm aware of um, outside the county. What I will say is, and, and this is why to me, um, you know, this pro-housing designation that the city of Ukiah was just awarded by um, the Department of Housing and Community Development, um, I think it was two weeks ago now is so significant. What What is a pro-housing designation? So pro-housing designation, the uh, state um, about three years ago created this designation to recognize cities that have proactively tried to um, address the issue of housing through some of the 
the very things we've been talking about in this interview today. You know, the the buy right process. What's the buy right? <laughs> oh, um, so proceeding directly to a building permit with the objective standards. Oh, B Y B B R I G H T. As of right, yeah. You'll hear okay. It say. Yeah, um, gotcha. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have the um, ADU, the accessory dwelling unit uh, building plans available at no cost. Uh, the other thing we have is, um, and we were awarded some points for this, is, and it really kind of speaks to the expansion of services and community development, is we're trying to be the one-stop shop for the developer community. So you, you come to one location, or in the future when our, we have our electronic permitting in place, you can even access it online and get everything you need right there. Uh, it's, it's really this notion of, um, in like really high level, uh, you know, our vision, I, I think, for the department is to move from being a passive regulator to a proactive development partner. And I think we need to see more uh, cities and counties do that um, to really start to address this issue. Mm -hmm. um, something that's a it's a real issue on the coast is the use of accessory dwelling units, you know, um, and dwelling units on properties that are used for vacation rentals as opposed to uh, a long-term rental situation. So that puts many, many coastal residents, um, you know, out of housing possibilities. I wonder if you could talk about that and if you know, yeah, talk about that and what is the county, uh, what are policymakers at that level looking at to address the pro that problem? Well, I'm not totally sure about the county, but I know uh, speaking with colleagues in the city of Fort Bragg, and also they have a, a housing action team there that's fairly active. Um, they're looking at ordinances to, or an ordinance to restrict, you know, uh, uh, those types of vacation rentals. If the, I believe it's if the vacancy rate is at a certain at or below a certain level mm -hmm. you know so i i would tend to agree with that um if you have not enough housing supply and you have you know maybe even if it's only 20 or 30 homes that are offline because of vacation re rentals something has to give there so you're you're making a decision are we going to focus more on the vacation rental portion of this uh, policy issue or are we going to look more at vacancy rate and how we can address the housing issue. Yeah, I wish I had uh, somebody here from a housing action team. Those are There's a housing action team group that's focused on inland issues and one focused on the coast. And I know the coast in particular has been looking at that issue. And uh, if anyone's from that housing action team is listening, we'd love to hear from you um, or the inland a housing action team. The number in the studio here is 707-895-2448. I wonder if you could um, talk a little bit, we, we touched on this, but a little more about a city's general plan. And uh, we do we do have a caller, so I'll hold off on this question and we'll, we'll take the call. Hello, caller, you're on the air. Oh yeah, hi, thank you taking my call in for the program. My question is, uh, I believe 192 units uh, were stated that were built in the last four years. I was wondering if uh, a unit is only a single dwelling or can a unit be a multi-family uh, dwelling? I'll take my 
answer uh, on the air. Thank you again for the program. Sure, thank you. Yeah, so for the 192 housing units, it's been a mixture. Um, it's been multifamily units. It's been single-family units. It's been um, ADUs, uh, duplexes, uh, fourplex. So, and that's another thing that it, it's good to see, um, to, you know, really a, a wide variety of different housing types. All right. Thank you. Um, again, if you want to call in, the number is 707-895-2448. I wanted to ask you about the pro-housing designation you mentioned that the City of Ukiah was awarded. How unique is that? What is the, what is the significance of having a pro-housing designation? Yeah, thank you. I think I sidetracked us earlier on, on that question. Um, yeah, so the city it just two weeks ago became one of 22 um, cities and counties in the state of California uh, to receive the pro-housing designation. Oh, there's a call coming in, but I'd like Craig to go ahead and finish um, the, the his response, and we'll get to your call in just a moment. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so we're one of 22 cities and counties in the state of California that have just been awarded this designation. There's an application process that we completed. We listed all the different policies um, that we've moved forward over the last few years here. Um, and, you know, one thing I think also of note with the designation, I'm going to talk about the headline piece of this first. The headline piece is it's an honor to receive this award, it's the, or the designation. Um, we're also the first rural city, in an, uh, not in an urban county, so in urban counties like Napa County is urban, um, north of the Bay Area to receive the designation. And it gives the city access to special pots of funding to produce more affordable housing. And we've already submitted applications for that. I think we're going to receive um, potentially up to a million that we'll be able to then put, million dollars to put into our housing trust fund. Um, it also makes the city more competitive for certain state grants, for affordable housing grants, for transportation grants, et cetera. Um, so that is what I would say the headline piece of this. What I say for for me and potentially for our team is what's most important to the to us is that it's signaling, uh, and to your question earlier, Mari, um, about um, you know advertising. We don't have as a, a small city of sixteen thousand people. We don't have the types of resources that some of these bigger you know cities you know, like LA and San Diego that they have at their fingertips. So we don't have, you know, dedicated staff for advertising and marketing, especially not in community development. But what we do have with this pro housing designation is now the city is recognized for being pro housing. So the state, then they put their marketing machine to work and they advertise the city of Ukiah. They get it out to developers. It's available on their website and we've already received a few phone calls um, because of that. Like, oh, we heard that you're pro housing. Um, tell us what you know. What are your policies? What what, what can we do here if we decide mm -hmm. to develop? And I think that that's because again, what we're trying to do is just throw as many possible tools out there to get more housing built. Yeah, that's that's really great news. Um, I hope 
there are developers listening throughout California who will <laughs> come and develop new housing. And caller, we're um, we're open here to to take your call if you want to call back. Um, and I was thinking about that pro housing designation, and when you get these calls from interested developers, it's my fantasy to see these blighted properties that run in particular along Ukiah's Rail Trail, which is the you know the former railroad line. Uh, really north and south through the heart of Ukiah be developed into housing. Um, I think that that would be a popular place, uh, once, and maybe there's just a, a threshold that has to be crossed in terms of, of the beginning of development along the rail trail that might spur then much more development along the rail tra trail. Well, oh, here's oh, the caller. So let, yeah, let's take okay. the call and then we can talk about that again. Hello, caller. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, you talk about market rate and affordable housing, and I don't know, does that mean a certain amount of money for rent for a certain amount of square footage? Could you define that a little bit more, please? Of course. Thanks for your call. Go ahead, Craig. Would you like to define market rate? Sure. So, I mean, in a, a really basic sense, market rate housing does not have any type of a subsidy attached to it. The subsidy could be in the form of um, a subsidy to the tenant that's living in the unit. It could be a subsidy to the actual unit itself. So you could have, like we were talking about earlier, and not traditionally it's a nonprofit uh, developer that develops these affordable housing sites. So and that's not market rate. That's not market rate. Right. So market rate would be a private developer developing right. a property and then trying to make a profit on his or her development. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of a nuance to that is affordable housing. It used to be called low-income housing. Um, way back when, it was all public housing. It was all public housing, and then there was um, some changes, especially with the Section 8 voucher program uh, related to project-based vouchers. And we, ha we saw housing authorities... Um, move more from doing public housing to doing affordable housing, which really is just a matter of a funding source and how those those units are funded. Mm -hmm. um, so now, but still, uh, the income that the household uh, has, it, there's, it sets a maximum income that the household can earn per year uh, in order to live in those units. So the affordable housing generally tends to be, depending on the type of development, the type of fi financing sources, they might restrict the incomes to 30%, which is extremely low income, 30% of area median income. So for a family of four, I meant to pull this information earlier, but I believe it's around I, I believe it's around 20000 for an extremely low for income. For a family of four. I believe so. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Uh, for extremely low, and then you have fifty percent, which is very low, sixty percent low, and you have eighty percent. Uh, many of the states' programs tend to be eighty percent, but a lot of the um, more, if there's a, a target, for example, if you're trying to focus on um, homeless residents that would have uh, no income or definitely extremely low, you might want to uh, fix the um, income maximum to 30%, and then that will give the housing developer potentially access to different types of funding sources only for homeless um, 
you know, housing. So there's, you know, ways that they'll craft their application to uh, meet whatever the goal is for that, that project. Mm -hmm. When do you expect to see the, I guess, windfall or, you know, the impact, I guess we should say the impact of, of, um, the policy changes that you were talking about earlier to encourage market rate development, the streamlining of the permit process, the, you know, eliminating the discretionary process so that we see, um, uh, oh, and zone, you talked about codes, cleaning up the codes to make it easier for market rate developers to move through the process. And you said things had just lined up. When, when will you be able to evaluate the success of those policy changes? That's a great question. I, I think probably over the next two to three years, we're going to see if those policies are actually working as intended. Um, I think, you know, and I, I know I've mentioned this a few times now, we should always be looking to do more if we can. And we will be coming up to another housing element cycle here in another four years. I'm already thinking about what can we be doing right now to um, produce even more housing? You know, what are some things we haven't tried yet? I know, um, and you had mentioned this earlier, uh, Mari, housing along the rail trail. So that area would be um, known as a high resource opportunity area. And there's actually um, kind of a definition at the state level for that. It's basically, it makes, it, it's their definite, their, their term. Um, but it really just means you want housing that's close to shopping mm -hmm. services, um, you know, access to healthcare, et cetera. You don't, and this is what I was talking about way, I think at the beginning of the interview about the nuance related to addressing the housing issue from supply mm -hmm. only. You don't want, in, in my opinion, um, to, uh, especially as we start to talk about complete streets, which is in our general mm -hmm. plan, we don't necessarily want housing developments that are way out in the middle of nowhere with no, no access to services. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope we see more infill. We have a, a call right now. We'll take the call. Hello, caller. Please turn off your radio. Uh, next question. So it used to be uh, in development in the city of Ukiah that one would have to have a regular size house to have uh, a tiny house or uh, just a smaller place. So what if one has an empty lot and one wants to have tiny houses only? Has that rule changed and also does the owner need to live there mm, great questions those are great questions thank yes. you yes craig could you respond to the question of tiny houses and how many can you fit on your lot without violating some some law yeah so we we still have the you know you there has to be a single family home on the property to have an, an ADU. And would that mean the owner, just in response to the caller's question, does that mean the owner has to live there or could that even be rented out? Yeah, I don't think we restrict that anymore. Um, I, you know, the, and I say I don't think because the city's ordinance may not be completely updated with new state guidance. The state has changed the ADU uh, law, um, I want to say three or four different times in the last two or three years. This, this is uh, one of the reasons a lot of cities aren't able to keep up because there's just so much legislation right. coming out of the state. Um, so I, I probably have to look into that to be able to. But if there's a directly. if there's a vacant a vacant lot 
Mm -hmm. in a residential area, uh, there has to be a, at least one single family home. Yes. I mean, and, and then there could be other, there could be tiny homes also on that lot or yes. are they, are the, is the number restricted? No, I mean, it's restricted based on the lot size mm -hmm. uh, requirements and restrictions. And those are um, eased for accessory dwelling units, but not all the way. This is a, a big topic right now um, in planning circles is, you know, minimum lot size requirements, um, parking standards, right. you know, et cetera, that are largely based on a development model from the 50s and 60s, a single family zoning development model. Right. So it's it's an interesting topic that we could probably spend a whole hour or more on, but. Yeah, and I wonder too about the definition of the single family home that's required on that lot. What if it's a one bedroom, you know, a small home, maybe doesn't, it's not portable like your typical tiny home, right. but I assume that could qualify. You just want to build a small single family yes. home. Yeah, yep. and that's permissible. Okay. Um, so in case you've just tuned in, this is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government and related issues to uh, increase your civic literacy and your ability to effectively engage in decisions affecting our communities. I'm your host, Mari Roden, and we're discussing the role of local government in promoting the development of new housing. And I'm speaking today with Craig Schlatter, who's the Director of Community Development for the City of Ukiah. We only have a few minutes left for today. Um, the call-in number is 707 895-2448. I think there might be a caller I'm going to see here. Caller? No. Oh. Well, anyway, if there is a caller uh, with a question or a listener with a question, please call back. Happy to take your question. Um, yeah, so that was a good question about the tiny houses. I wanted to go back to the issue of a countywide housing strategy and where where discussions are with that yeah um well we haven't had much recent discussion on it other than a, a commitment uh last year to continue the conversation so um we've just recently been re-engaging with our kind of core team which is all the community development directors um around the county to try to get you know this this moving forward in a more productive manner that'll result in just i think what was agreed to last year is maybe just as a start having um a one-page uh list of ideals or goals or um, agreement points and these could be very high level what are some things that we would like to achieve and if we could all uh, respectively rally around each of those different areas, then we've right away we've found a, a, a point of common ground. And I, I see so many issues uh, anymore, uh, and it's, it's actually really fun being a planner in this regard because planners generally are mediating between different uh, sides. But I, I'm always um, encouraged that there seems to be common ground that most of us can find on most topics uh, if we're, you know, kind of listening. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, we have a call. Let's take the call. Hello, you're on the air. 
Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm just going to change the subject just a little bit for a second. Um, because transportation is such a large facet of housing, especially in our rural community here, uh, being able to move people from far places, what is the likelihood that we may get a public transit mall, a spot where all of the buses meet, that is a central area that is located where people from Fort Bragg to Hopland to the farthest reaches of our county have a chance to be able to uh, come and spend their money. Thank you and, so much. Uh, I think I think that's a great question. Thank you for your call. Um, yeah, transportation is a huge issue here in Mendocino County as a rural county, and the city of Ukiah is the county seat. It's the destination for many people for doctor's appointments, for other things. Can you talk about the role of transportation and housing? Yeah, and also um, many of the, the funding sources and the streamlining measures that are at least being touted by the state are um, heavily focused on connecting transportation with housing. And we were talking briefly about infill development and the, the importance of that, of high opportunity resource areas, uh, areas that are close to shopping and services. I think we also need to look at upzoning, um, potentially and we've done a little bit of that. In what does upzone mean? It's to increase the intensity of the use. Um, so going from right now, um, well, it was recently changed, but the city did allow 14 dwelling units per acre, and that was increased to 15. So it gets a little bit more attractive for you know, a developer to do a little bit more on that, that property. Um, so looking at those types of tools to address that issue. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to the caller's point, um, having more uh, transportation more close to homes really is only a good thing. Yeah. On that issue of, um, you know, developing, the, and particularly the state's interest and everyone's in best interest to develop along transportation corridors such as Ukiah's Rail Trail, are there particular incentives? Um, you know, funding incentives for development for developers who build along along the transportation corridors. In other words, would a developer who wants to purchase a blighted property along Ukiah's corridor be able to find uh, some assistance? You know, some some incentives for developing in those locations. I believe so. I, I think most of the incentives, um, you know, as, as far as funding, this is a, a problem with market rate is there's really no funding sources uh, for market rate uh, housing. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. for affordable housing, yes. I mean, there's a lot of uh, state funding sources that, you know, if you're located a half mile within public transportation options, it gives you access to a wide variety of additional funding sources. Mm -hmm. So great. Yeah. Well, I hope we see that soon. Um, so we're just winding up now, and I want to thank you so much, Craig, for being my guest today. It's been an interesting conversation about housing, both affordable housing and market rate housing in Ukiah and Mendocino. Do you have any closing remarks and that you'd like to make and contact information in case people want to get a hold of you? Yeah, well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't um, mention, uh, you know, 
what we're kind of about at the city of Kayakami Development Department. And, you know, we are very customer facing. We have an outstanding team. Uh, we want to see you. Uh, so stop by the city of Ukiah at 300 Seminary Avenue in Ukiah. Um, my number, my direct line is 707-463-6219. Call anytime. You can reach us at a wide variety of different email addresses. It's all on the city's website. Uh, or you can just talk to Mari as the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks again. And stay tuned for Interlude with Patrick Gomes. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.